Thank you for being here today. So glad that you're with us at Life Center. If I haven't met you, my name is Tyler. And I believe that God has something special in store for us today. Not because I'm here, but because he's here. And uh, today we're going to continue on in a series that we started a number of weeks ago. And so do this. Everybody look at somebody near you and just say hello, introduce yourself. I'm going to walk over here, grab a little drink of water. And uh, go ahead. Social moment. Isn't it nice to say hello to people? Yeah. I think it's nice. Some of you are scratching your head going, what's going on here? I'm just waiting for some water. Thank you, Sarah. Can everybody give it up for Sarah? Amazing. There you go. Hi. (laughs) Well, hey, if you're new to Life Center, um, we are glad that you are here. If you've missed the last number of weeks, we started a series called No Offense. Can you say no offense? And I just want to kind of preface what we're going to talk about over the next number of minutes. This message is incredibly pastoral. And what I mean by that is there's times where we we show up in church and, man, God's word inspires us and we're like, we're ready to run through a wall and we're like, yeah, let's go. And then there's other times that God's word lovingly kind of puts us in check. Just to let you know, don't turn that off, by the way, for those who are watching online. Uh, That's today. We're going to journey into scripture together, look at some of the words of Jesus. And today I've entitled this message, The Cost of unforgiveness. The cost of unforgiveness. Can you say unforgiveness? Uh, Here's what's interesting. This week I was working on this message, kept typing the word, and that word continued to have a red squiggly line under it. And I was scratching my head. I'm like, why is unforgiveness the red squiggly line? Anybody know what I'm talking about? And and so I looked it up on dictionary.com, and this is what it said about unforgiveness right here. Check this out. It's not a word you find in the dictionary. But I'll tell you this, it's a word you find everywhere in your life. You can't find it in the dictionary, but man, it shows up in so many places. And and here's the reality. Wouldn't it be amazing if we could do a search on our lives and that same response came up? No results found for unforgiveness. Man, I would love to get my life in that place because what that means is I'm at least living up to the level of what the dictionary says. But how many know God has a whole different standard for us? He wants us to live according to his word. So imagine today with me what it looks like to consider the cost of of unforgiveness. And even though it's not a word that you can find in your dictionary, it is a reality that is permeating the hearts and lives of so many people. When I talk about unforgiveness, what do I mean? Well, it's this unwillingness to to forgive or, or a resistance to release a debt that we feel is owed to us. Somebody hurt us, said something, they looked at us wrong, they cut us off and trapped. Come on, I'm describing some of your day yesterday. They used the wrong tone, they, they said something, they, they hurt us, we are offended, and because we are offended, I'm not going to release that offense until you come to me 
and make things right. The cost of unforgiveness. It's a resentment caused by offense that we hold tightly to. And this last week, as I wrapped up last weekend, Sunday night, I was taking some time to reflect, and we planned this series months ago, and I knew that this week was coming, and all of a sudden, in my preparation, the Holy Spirit started dealing with me. There was some stuff that I had to work through on this Subject. Why? Because I was sensing the Holy Spirit kind of pressing in areas in my heart where, where I have been and even continue to be unforgiving. Now, before you're tempted to stand up and leave the room because your pastor has some flaws, please remember, though I'm your pastor, I am a person. Which means that though this, this subject is challenging to lean into, I'm not, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not claiming that this is simple. And I'm not here to say, you know what? I got a master's degree in how to release unforgiveness. What I've learned about the human condition, no matter how long you've been alive, no matter how long you follow Jesus, all of us wrestle with unforgiveness. All of us. So today, this is something that we can all lean into. And, and you see, I, I have to wrestle with this fact. Why? Because there's people in my life who have wronged me. Is there anybody in your life who has wronged you? Say yes. Okay, so we're all kind of hitting from the same area today. We've all experienced being wronged. We've also are probably all guilty of wronging others. But here was my wrestle this last week. People have wronged me and wronged others, and some of those people never own their actions. So how am I supposed to respond to this? Does anybody else ever have conversations like this with God? Okay, God, I know your word calls me to forgive them. They haven't owned anything, and so what am I actually supposed to do with that? You see, I wrestled through questions like this. How do I release the debt that I feel like is there? Does this require that I'm just indifferent when there's been a very real wrong? I, if I forgive, does that mean I just kind of look over it and glance over it? Is my forgiveness just turning a blind eye to, to those wrongs that have taken place in my life or in the lives of others? What about this? What's, what's my response and my responsibility when there's no ownership? Because let's be honest, it's a, it's a little bit easier when we've been wronged and at least somebody comes up and says, hey, I just got to admit, you know, I did that wrong. It's a little bit easier to move forward, but what do you do when there's, when there's none of that? How, how do we walk and work with this area of unforgiveness in our heart. I had to wrestle with, well, what does the gospel actually say about this? And friends, again, I'm not saying this is easy. I'm, I'm not pretending that there isn't complexity or times where, where we want to make our issue the exception to the rule of what God's word actually calls us to walk out. But don't underestimate this truth today. Unforgiveness has a price tag. Unforgiveness has a price tag. 
To better help us understand this, I want us to look to the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 18. And as you're turning to Matthew chapter 18, let me, let me preface that because some of us, we've, we've heard Matthew 18 kind of thrown out at different times in our lives. No doubt if you've been around the church or maybe you, you work or have been around a religious organization, you hear people say, well, you got to use the Matthew 18 principle. If you've ever heard this, what this means, what this is referring to is before this section of scripture we're about to read, Jesus gives some teaching on if a brother or sister sins against us, we're supposed to go to them and give them an opportunity to repent. Now, notice the context. It's when they sin against you. We're supposed to go to them, and, and if they don't listen, then we bring others, and then finally, if they don't turn, man, it's on them, but at least we've done our part. And in that context, Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, is listening, and Peter says this in Matthew 18, starting in verse 21, then Peter approached him and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Wouldn't it be nice if Jesus just said, you know what, don't worry about that whole forgiveness thing. And what's interesting, Peter here, he, he's about to make himself look incredibly generous. Because under the teaching of the rabbis, the rabbinic teaching required that you would forgive somebody one times, two times, three times, up to four times. And then after that, cut off. And so Peter thinking that he's like, really being generous. Jesus, I've been hanging out with you. You seem to be kind of a grace guy. Let me, let me raise the level. Jesus, how many times should I forget? As, as many as seven times? Did you hear that, guys? I, I almost doubled it. Almost doubled. I tell you, not as many as seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven Imagine Peter's shoulders at that moment just going. He thought he was being so generous, gracious. I'm not going to stop at four. I'm going to go all the way to seven. And Jesus says, no, 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 you're, you're missing the point. You think you're up here when you're actually way down here. And I'm calling you to be up here. 70 times seven. And for this reason, the kingdom of heaven, Jesus continues, can be compared to a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. Now, let me make an important truth here. The king has every right in the world to settle his accounts. It's not being mean. It's not being self-serving. The king gets to do what the king wants to do. So the king wants to settle his accounts, and it says this, when he began to settle accounts, one of his servants who owed 10,000 talents, what's a talent? A talent is a measurement of gold, it's a weight measurement, and this amount, 10,000 talents, is about 20 years wages, multiple millions of dollars in that equivalent in that day. 10,000 talents. It was brought before him, and since he did not have the money, here's what I want you to notice. This is a very real debt that's owed to the king. This is real 
money that the servant had been put in trust of and in charge of, and now the king is making kind of the accounts line up, this servant does not have the ability to pay the debt. Since he did not have the money to pay it back, his master commanded that he, his wife, his children, and everything he had be sold to pay the debt. And at this, the servant fell face down before him and said, be patient with me and I will pay you everything. Man, talk about optimism. He has none of it right now, but, but if the king would just be generous in extending the time, maybe he could make things right. Maybe he could make up the debt that he actually owes. Be patient with me and I will pay you everything. Then the master of that servant had compassion. Can you say compassion? Released him and forgave him the loan. Let's be clear for a second. Compassion would have been giving him time to pay it back. Compassion would have been simply lessening the amount owed. But this king shows incredibly radical generosity and grace. Why? Because he not only releases him after having compassion, but he cancels the entirety of the debt that he owes. Verse 28, then that same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. What is a denarii? It was one day's wage. So think about multiple millions, think about a few hundred bucks. This other servant finds another servant, and it says this, he grabbed him and started choking him and said, pay what you owe. Now don't miss this. The king never laid a hand on the first servant And after being forgiven an incredible debt, now this guy is willing to lay hands on another servant over an insignificant amount of money in comparison. Pay what you owe. Verse 29, at this, his fellow servant fell down and begged him. Does this sound familiar? Be patient with me and I will pay you back. Verse 30, but he wasn't willing. He wasn't willing. Wasn't willing to extend maybe at least a measure of the same grace that he himself just experienced. He wasn't willing to forgive as he had been forgiven. Instead, he went and threw him into prison until he could pay what was owed. When the other servants saw what had taken place, they were deeply distressed and they, weren't, they went and reported it to their master, everything that had happened. Then after he had summoned him, his master said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Shouldn't you also have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And because he was angry, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay everything that was owed. So also, my heavenly Father will do to you unless every one of you forgives his brother or sister from your heart. Wouldn't wouldn't these words from Jesus be so much easier if Jesus said, you know, so it will be for you unless you say the words, I forgive you. 
Because then at least we could just say the words and say them sarcastically, I forgive you. Or we could say them disconnected from the heart. But here Jesus is inviting us to a deeper place of authenticity to recognize we all have an incredible debt that we owe to God. Amen? See, for those of us who are followers of Jesus in the room, we, we recognize that we have a debt because of our sin that no matter how much effort, no matter how much earning, we could never repay. And God looked at us and he not only gave us more time to try to get better, right? That would be called religion. That's not what he gave us. He gave us grace. He canceled our debt through what Jesus has done. But how often are we thankful for that, but we are unwilling to release a debt that we have from others? We've been forgiven much. Are we willing to forgive much? It's amazing to me, the king never laid a hand on the servant, but the servant felt justified and validated to lay hands on this other servant. It's crazy to me. He wasn't willing. He wasn't willing to extend the same grace that he himself had received. Friends, what I want us to understand today is this. Unforgiveness is a costly choice. Each of those words matters. Unforgiveness, yes, you can't find it in your dictionary, but trust me, in the hearts of every human, they're, they're in the recesses, you can find unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is a costly choice. And what we need to understand about that truth, unforgiveness is a decision that I make. And I know the tension point there. Well, well, Tyler, you don't know what they said. You don't know how they looked at me. You don't know what they did. And you're right. I don't know all of those things, but to hang on to that debt and waiting for them to make it right, understand it is a choice that you are making. Unforgiveness is a costly choice. And here's why it's costly. Because you think you're in control, not realizing all of the ways that that unforgiveness is going to impact you. My concern as your pastor is this, that over the last number of weeks as we've talked about offense, and even today is unforgiveness, some of us, we, we heard me describe it as a trap. But the problem is some of us are thinking about it as a trap like this. Tyler, what's the big deal? I'm just, I'm just a little offended just a little, I'm just going to make them sweat it out a little bit. We, we get offended and we're like, well, it's not, it's not that serious of a thing. I, I, can, I can be a follower of Jesus and still hang on to offense. I can be a follower of Jesus and still hang on to unforgiveness. And let me remind you, the devil, the enemy, loves you to believe that it's a trap just like this. Not that big of a deal. Not that significant. Doesn't really impact you that much. At least I can still use these other fingers, right? But the problem is, the enemy would love for you to think that unforgiveness, that offense, is just a, a little baby trap, not realizing the trap that's about to engulf your entire life. And the price tag that's going to come along with that. See, my question that I want you to consider today is this. Do you want to spend your life and energy as a debt collector or a debt canceller? Aren't you so thankful that Jesus, every time we pray, he's not going, well, you think I'm going to talk to you after you just did that on Thursday? 
You, th you, think, you think I want you to raise your hands to me after what you said last night? Aren't you thankful that Jesus is not a debt collector, but he's a debt canceler? That he became our substitute and our sacrifice? I don't know about you. I don't want to live the remainder of my days trying to calculate and count up who owes me what and how much they owe me. And, and until they pay that back, you're done. I want to be a debt canceler. See, friends, we have to remember this. No one has been hurt more by the church than Jesus. And he still keeps showing up. That's crazy to me. And so this makes me ask, well, when, when I'm wronged, when I've been offended, when, when I have some issues of forgiving somebody else, what is my response and what's my responsibility? Is it, is it my responsibility to change them or convince them of the wrong that they've done? Here's the problem with that. I can't even change or convince myself sometimes. And yet I think I can, I can be the Holy Spirit to somebody else. Let me remind all of us, the Holy Spirit is really good at doing his job. And he's better at it than I will ever be. So what's my response? What's my responsibility? Is, is my response determined by how I feel or by my faith? Well, I don't feel like forgiving them. I don't feel like they deserve it. But faith calls me to do believe what I can't even see, take out a, a step in the direction that God is calling me to trust him in. That's what faith looks like. Isn't it my responsibility to forgive as I've been forgiven? And here's where the tension point comes in, so everybody lean in for a second, because we must try to work towards restoration, but understand, restoration is not always possible. I still forgive. That's what scripture calls me to do. You see, this is where some of us, we get hung up because we think, well, Tyler, they hurt me. They did this. They won't own anything. Understand, in order for that relationship to be restored, there's got to be repentance. But even if there's no repentance on the part of the offender, guess what? I can still choose to release the debt, forgive, and walk in freedom. And that is, that is a radical difference that some of us, we, we lose sight of because we say, well, Tyler, if I forgive them, I'm just validating, I'm just kind of turning a blind eye, I'm just doing this, I'm doing that. No, you're not. You're actually walking in freedom. You're walking in the grace that God is calling you to walk in. Once they show some repentance, then you can work towards restoration and reconciliation. You see, this matters. Why? Because you can forgive somebody even if they aren't willing to repent. Doesn't mean you rush back into that relationship. Let me say it this way. Forgiveness doesn't always put you back in relationship, but forgiveness always sets you free. That thing that you have against that person, what, what they said, what they did, how they treated you, how they looked at you, how they talked about you, Things that, that you didn't even know that you, you had caused a problem. You ever had that moment where you didn't even know you offended somebody until you tried to connect with them on social media and you realize you're blocked? Like, oh, I, I didn't realize there was an issue. I guess there is. Guess there's something. Would have been helpful for me to be brought into that, but sorry, didn't know. 
See, we've got to understand that, that restoration isn't always possible, but forgiveness always is possible. And even when the relationship can't be redeemed or, or renewed because there's no repentance, understand, you are the one who gets to walk in freedom when you forgive. But unforgiveness always keeps you trapped. It always keeps you trapped. See, I learned a long time ago, unforgiveness, it, it may be directed at them, but you are the one who pays. <laughs> that's, that's the irony. It, it's kind of sick if you think about it. They hurt me. I'm not going to forgive them, but now I'm the one who continues to pay because I'm unwilling to forgive. You see, it's directed at them, but it's the, it costs me. And it costs me in so many areas. Let me point out just a few of them for the next couple of minutes that we have. We're going to come in for a quick landing. Get ready. Here we go. How does it cost us? Number one, it costs us in broken relationships. So many of us have experienced damage and wreckage in relationships, not just because what the other individual did, but because we are hanging on to that debt, unwilling to release it. It's broken relationships. Proverbs 18 verse 19 says it this way, an offended brother is harder to reach than a fortified city. You ever had somebody offended at you? Man, it's hard to climb those walls, isn't it? It's hard. Sometimes it's just better if they're, they're outright, like, open about it. But a lot of people have that weird spiritual gift called passive-aggressive. You ever notice this spiritual gift in some people's lives? Broken relationships. You see, wreckage and relationships have the same common root. What is it? Offense. Some of us, we've experienced broken relationships in our family, in our workplace, in our neighborhood, on sports teams. Why, why is it? It's because at somewhere along the line, we became offended. But we have to be willing to ask ourselves some hard questions at times, because if there's a line of broken relationships behind you, you have to be willing to stop and ask the question, am I harboring unforgiveness that's continuing to create a pattern of broken relationships? I know we don't always want to go there or touch on that, because why? It's everybody else's fault. It's their fault. And the reality is they might have done some things wrong, but are you going to continue to hang on to the debt or are you willing to forgive and move to a place of freedom? The second way we pay is we pay the price in our personal peace, don't we? We pay the price of personal peace. How many of us, we've woken up in the middle of the night thinking about that person just like, oh, I can't believe this stupid, just like, if I could just... And then we try to spiritualize, right? Well, I'm just over here praying. I'm just praying, 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 just praying, 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 praying. It's amazing that often we don't, we don't actually have to pray about the things that God has already invited us to do. To release the debt. To forgive. How many of us, we lack peace because we've made the decision to sacrifice peace because of an offense that showed up in our lives? And here's what I know. There's a lot of people alive today 
that pray for and they want the peace of God, but the problem is they don't have peace with God. So some of us today, we, we're praying, God, I need your peace, I need your peace, I need your peace. But, but if you are not at peace with God, it's going to be hard for you to experience the peace of God in your life. And it's hard to be at peace with God when I'm hanging on to something that he's actually called me and invited me through his grace to release, to, to give up, to get rid of. See, peace with ourselves, it's hard to find when we are inviting peace destroyers into our lives. Got to be aware of this. But understand, you want peace? Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. If you want peace in your life, it starts by knowing Him, getting in relationship with Him. Here's the third way it costs us it shows up in the cost in our health. Can you say health? In our health. It costs us in our health when we choose to, to hang on to unforgiveness. A researcher in 2017 was writing a paper for the University of Pennsylvania, and they said the following, a common misconception about forgiveness is that it serves as barriers to the desire to cultivate protective strength as forgiveness is often conflated with permissiveness and perceived as permission for a transgressor to engage in hurtful conduct. Let me paraphrase that for a second. A common misconception, the reason why we don't always walk in forgiveness is if I forgive them, they're just going to keep doing it and they're going to hurt other people. And I don't want that. It sounds like a good thought. But understand, there's, there's a very real health consequence to unforgiveness. It goes on, the benefits of forgiveness, however, are most significant for the individual who has been transgressed rather than the transgressor. The benefit to forgiveness is not necessarily just for the person who did what was wrong, it's actually for you. Why? Because you're setting yourself free. You're trusting in Jesus by faith to, to I'm going to release the debt, Jesus, just as you had released mine, and I'm going to walk in freedom. I'm going to make the choice to partner with you in my freedom. Failing to forgive or unforgiveness is the practice of engaging in ruminative thoughts of anger, vengeance, hate, Resent, I know nobody in this room has ever wrestled with that. Resentment that have unproductive outcomes for the ruminator, such as increased anxiety, depression, elevated blood pressure. Come on, anybody? Anybody? That person walks in the room, you're just like, blood pressure goes up. This is for the 1130, right? This is for Different gathering. <laughs> Vascular resistance, decreased immune response, and worse outcomes in coronary artery disease. Practicing forgiveness enables the transgressed individual to reduce their engagement in ruminating on those things, thus reducing their experience of anger, resentment, and hate. Forgiveness, then, is a pathway to psychological well-being and health outcomes. Here's what's so hilarious to me about this. 
Thank you, researcher, in 2017. You finally caught up to what Jesus taught us over 2,000 years ago. It's just catching up to what Scripture has been saying this entire time. That if we would forgive as we've been forgiven, friends, we have a better outcome in our health. What type of health am I talking about? Your physical health, because some of you, you've been impacted in your physical health because of unforgiveness. Your mental health. Some of you, your mental health is being impacted by unforgiveness. Emotional health, guess what? Impacted by unforgiveness, but do not minimize the impact on your spiritual health. Because some of us, though we are called to be warriors in God's kingdom, we're sidelined right now because we're spiritually sick. And it's not because Jesus doesn't love us. It's because we're hanging on to something that we are called to release. We're called to walk in freedom. See, as your pastor, I urge each of us to consider the cost on our soul. Consider the cost on your soul when, when you hang on to that place of, of unforgiveness. Can I say something that maybe it, it, it's gonna sting a little bit, but, but hear me today. Stop waiting for the other person to come and heal you. Jesus, is the only one who can actually heal. And this is what happens. This is how sometimes we get trapped in this cycle, whether it's been a few days, a few weeks, a few months, or a few decades. Is, is somebody did something, said something, looked at us, frustrated us, and we say, you know what? Until you own it, I'm never going to forgive you. We might not say those words, but in practice, in the way that we live out our lives, that's what's going on. And the challenge with that, it's much like you being stabbed down on the street corner and then expecting the person with the knife to also have some sutures to stitch you up. Listen, I'm not the smartest person in the room or in the world. But if somebody stabs me, I'm not waiting for that person to come back with some stitches. I'm gonna call a doctor who knows how to do something about the condition that I'm in. And in the same way, Jesus is the great physician. Some of us, we've got a wound. We've been waiting for the other person to come back, make it right so we can find our healing and move forward. And I'm here to remind you, run to Jesus. Let him heal you up. Release the debt that you're hanging on to. Release it. Release it. See, even though restoration might not be possible, forgiveness is still a choice that you can make. And this matters because the author of Hebrews in chapter 12 says this, therefore, since we have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every what? Hindrance in the sin that so easily snares us. Can I tell us and remind us today that, that the more that we hang on to unforgiveness, it becomes a hindrance that we're trying to run the race of faith and we're wondering, why is this so exhausting? Why is this so challenging? Why is this so hard? Doesn't mean it's easy, but could it be that you're hanging on to a weight that you need to let go of? <clears throat> Set aside, lay aside, cast aside, 
every hindrance and the sin that easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. How do we do that? By fixing our eyes on Jesus. See, there's a point right there. Some of us were so fixed on, on that offense, that frustration, that place that we don't want to forgive, that we've lost sight of the one who's forgiven us an incredible debt. And the more that I fix my eyes on Jesus, the more I'm reminded I had a debt that I could not pay. I couldn't do it. And God looked at me and he said, forgiven, free. And the more that I get my eyes off of that incredible grace and the more that I fix and, and kind of focus on all those that I feel like have wronged me and, and they owe me a debt and I'm gonna be the debt collector and I wanna make sure that stuff gets right and I'm waiting for you to come so that I can get healed. Friends, I'm not looking at Jesus, I'm looking at my situations. And it's hard to run a race effectively when we get our eyes off of the prize. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We've got to cast aside the hindrances. But Tyler, they haven't apologized. I, I know, I'm sorry. I know there's things in my life that, that I don't even know where I've hurt or offended people and, and maybe I, I didn't apologize quickly enough. Maybe I wasn't even aware and my prayer is that just like God has forgiven me, I pray that people will find grace to forgive me just as I try to extend grace and forgive others. We gotta make the decision to not wait for the other individual who wounded us to show up and try to heal us. There's only one healer, friends. His name is Jesus Christ. He's the one who can heal those wounds in our lives. Would you pray with me today? Jesus, thank you that you are the healer. God, I pray for each of us that we would consider the cost of unforgiveness, that we would listen to the truth of scripture that has the authority to set us free today. God, I pray that we would experience freedom, that we would walk in freedom. Lord, let us consider the, the true cost of unforgiveness in our lives. And let us also consider the incredible debt that you released from us through what Jesus has accomplished for us through his life, his death, and his resurrection. And as forgiven people, I pray that we would be willing to forgive. Help us to do that. God, even when reconciliation isn't possible, help us still forgive. Help us still to release that debt. Help us to look to you to be our healer. Because God, we want healthy relationships, not broken ones. We want to experience peace in our lives, not a lack of peace. We, we want health, mental, spiritual, physical, emotional. God, we wanna be healthy. We wanna have healthy souls. So God, help us to walk this out. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.